Welcome to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host Dennis Simpson as we discuss the history, facts, people, places, events, lots more surrounding Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. Today's show is a real estate update on real estate inside Hot Springs Village. We're joined by real estate expert Rick Marshall. Rick is a realtor with Trademark Real Estate in Hot Springs Village. You can find him online by going to welcometohotsprings.com. We welcome Rick to the show. It has been a while since we have done a real estate update, so we figured today's the day, and he is Rick Marshall. He is going to update us with his expertise, and uh, Dennis Simpson is donning the sport coat for reasons that we have no clue about but i thought i'd class the place up that's what i was thinking yeah, i just kind of move it up from the whole beanie thing you know well think again think again <laughs> good to have you back good to have you back rick and i'm just going to turn it over to you because i don't even know where to begin yeah. i mean every time you check it's like okay well the inventory is this and now the inventory is that and interest rate fluctuations and cash buyers and i don't know dive in anywhere you want to Up, update us tonto update us yeah goodness gracious well yeah inventory uh obviously is still really low we've got just over 20 listings in the entire village right now uh only five or six that are waterfront so pickings are slim um i was telling somebody the other day we, during the ice storm it's freezing here but the real estate is hot so uh yeah overall the market is still a seller's market. It's very uh, hectic, multiple offers when you do write something for a buyer. Uh, still a large segment of the buyer population are cash buyers, something we can talk about a little bit more. Uh, a lot of them are still investors, still coming in. Now, whether that changes with the stock market fluctuation and interest rates going up, we'll just have to see. But yes, interest rates have started to creep up a little bit into that 4% range. So uh common theory is that for roughly for every one percent of interest rate increase uh you can qualify a buyer can qualify for 10 percent less so that tends to fluctuate the the values of the asking prices in the marketplace by that same 10 percent so in theory if we go from four to five percent over the next year or two we could see a, a reduction but there's all there's so many things going on you've got stock market, you got war, um, you've got um, the uh, foreclosure delay that maybe isn't going to be delayed for much longer. You've got um, the, uh, the renters that may be evicted, maybe they won't. All of those things are going to really affect the supply and demand in the marketplace. And we're not, we're just not sure. I don't have that crystal ball. Like I tell all my clients, I don't, don't, don't quite have that figured out yet, but just got to be ready for uh, changes as they come. Well, where's all this cash coming from? Cash is generally coming from out of state. Um, there are some retirees locally, but by far what I'm seeing are people from Texas, California, Illinois, uh, who are selling their primary residence and moving into the village. There are some investors. We are getting some um, showings via FaceTime and these out-of-state buyers. Um, we're not getting the iBuyers. Uh, in fact, Zillow's not, they've shut their entire program down last, uh, last fall. But the iBuyers hasn't really been a thing in our area too big compared to some of the hot Las Vegas, Phoenix, Atlanta, some of those markets that- uh, I, don't, I don't even know that I know what that is. Oh, an iBuyer is basically corporate buyers. They are- um, uh, in, in conglomerates of investors or companies that come in and they'll buy um, units for cash, um, which tends to get their offers accepted over a buyer that has financing. Uh, they don't have to worry about appraisals. And in fact, Zillow last fall, what they were doing over the summer months when it was real hot, Zillow would go into a market like Phoenix and they would pick 
three or four homes and overbid it by $100,000. So they take a $500,000 property, they would bid 600,000 cash, of course get their offer accepted, and those three or four sales became the comparables for the appraisers that, uh, that they needed to use as, as the comps for finance deals. So they were artificially manipulating the market. And eventually uh, this kind of came out. Zillow got a little bit of a black eye on it. And, uh, and more recently, Zillow took a look at their future forecasting and decided um, we're going to pull the plug on the whole program. Mm -hmm. And at that point, that program had been uh, responsible for over 50% of the profits of Zillow. So you saw Zillow's stock tank right after that announcement that they were doing that. But there was just no question. It was artificial manipulation of the market. They'll deny it and they'll say it had to do with supply chain and some other things, but got real clear that they just saw an end to the, to the uh, screaming uh, climbing market value-wise and they pulled the plug on it. So did you see any of that in the village at all? We did, well, from 2020 to 2021, if you did year over year, this is my Carl Rove impression here. Yeah. But <laughs> um, yeah, 21.5% in the village. If you took every sale in 2020 versus every sale in 2021, just kind of yeah. homogenized all the numbers, 21.5% is what we well, increased. Well, well, let, let, let's 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 speak specifically to you here. You you primarily work in lakefront properties, right? That that's the niche that you're working. Yeah, I mean that's what I love to do. I I live on Lake DeSoto. I love the lakes, and that's just something that I've loved and chosen to to network within. Um, you know, I've I've had nine sales on of lake properties just in the last six months. You know, on this on this end of the village. And, but that doesn't mean I don't sell other things, Dennis. So be careful. Yeah, no, but, but, <laughs> no, what I was getting was with the 21.5%, that's yeah. all properties. That's the that's entire houses. That's everything. Lakefront properties. I'm assuming more evaluated than that. Um, actually I excluded townhomes from those numbers and there were just over 700 transactions. The number of transactions didn't increase much between 2020 and 2021. It was almost flat 700 and some transactions, but the 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 median sales price that's the numbers that i'm talking about 21 and a half and of those if i can flip my here's your cash buyer question here so if you look at the national average is 22.4 percent of all transactions are cash well we from September of when I did these numbers, September of 18 to September of 19 here in the village, we were at 32.9% from 19 to 20, we were at 35.8 and it continued from 20 to 21 to 38.7 and waterfront we're at 39.2 of all transactions are cash. So yeah. it's a, there's a significant yeah. number of cash buyers, not all investors. Some are downsizing out of those, uh, wealthy states, and they're just bringing cash. Uh, my jaw's hanging open. I had no idea. Randy, you? Yeah. How many offers? So today, and as we're recording, we need to put a time context on this. It is, well, it's March the 1st. March the 1st. Tuesday. So 72 time, degrees in the 72 village. degrees. And last week it was 28. Uh, yes. freezing rain and yeah that's right bipolar <laughs> arkansas <laughs> yeah and so by the time this uh this goes live which will be friday march the march the 11th 11th ish so, yeah um and i and i lost my question in there oh um, so the the offers so there's 20 properties i mean a, a, a typical if there is such a thing i mean a typical property is going to experience how many offers before it 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 finally doesn't close, but before well, it gets accepted. And, and days on the market, too. I want to hear that. Yeah. Right. Days on market is about four. Four. That's average. Four, four. Average. Yeah, about four days on the market. You're seeing properties listed on a Friday that are they're accepting offers on Monday. I mean, that's, that's pretty common. Um, it, well, they're accepting offers over the weekend, I should say, reviewing offers on Monday, making a decision. So of the last three buyers that I wrote offers for, 
uh, two of them, two of them, there were 10 offers in total. Um, one of them we got accepted, mine won. The other one we didn't. And then the most recent transaction was a higher price range. So you have those 160 to $250. I mean, that's the bread and butter. Each right. of those had 10 offers on them. Um, the one at 450, um, there were two offers, ours was accepted. So it really, it, it depends a little bit more on price range. So, you know, the median days on the market is very short. There are, we do have million dollar properties. In fact, I looked at that number out of curiosity to see how we were doing. We had um, five million dollar properties in the village uh, just since, well, in the last 14 months, we've had five over a million dollars um, sell. And all were on like Balboa over there. And they've all so sold? Those all sold and closed, yes. So we are, you know, the market's booming, market times are short, and there's multiple offers. Um, but to kind of tie in your, your, the iBuyer question, when those cash buyers come in, and of those 10 offers, six of them have financing and, and four of them are cash, you're the, you're the listing agent. What are you going to advise for your seller? Uh, I don't have to worry about an appraisal coming in low in this rapidly escalating values well, market. Well, when it's so competitive in this market, I mean, you know, Hey, Rick, I've got cash. Yeah. Well, ish, no ish ish. How yeah. do you prove? What do you, you wave a stack of hundreds? What do you do? No, we require a proof of funds letter. So either it can be a, a letter from their financial advisor indicating that they have sufficient funds. Um, they are liquid ish. Okay. Um, and sometimes that um, I've even advised a buyer of mine to become a cash buyer that wasn't quite cash. Um, they literally just assigned a line of credit against their stocks and their portfolio where they just literally could just write a check for it. So it was as, as good as cash. Um, but those cash buyers just have such an advantage over something that has to worry about an appraisal has to worry about final underwriting. Uh, and in this, you know, who knows, uh, economy, you know, could somebody lose their job? You don't have to worry about it with, uh, with a cash buyer. Well, and, and just trekking down that same path, uh, and you and I discussed this with another realtor at lunch a few mm -hmm. weeks ago. Um, you know, you would think my simple mind, I'm, I'm not in real estate all day long, but my simple mind, I would think, well, if the, the ask is 340 and I put in 360 and I'm the highest bid and I'm, I'm assuming cash, then I'm a shoe in. There's no question. Of course, they're going to take my offer. No, no. Yeah, maybe. No, not necessarily. Well, what are the other variables? What are other variables that people should look for? Um, a couple of them are just how clean the offer is written. And I want to give all my secrets away because I've, you know, I've got, I like my buyers to, uh, to win on, on some of this bidding, right? Take notes, uh, Randy, take notes. We're going to, we're going to. Yeah. But just how clean, I mean, if you put yourself in the seller's standpoint in their, in their, uh, in their place and say, what, what's a seller want? Well, you want the cleanest offer possible. You don't want there to have to be a survey and, um, you don't want them to have asked for the refrigerator, washer, dryer, the love seat in the living room, and, you know, it, it goes on and on. Um, you need a closing date that's going to work for both parties. Um, and sometimes, um, that just reminds me, that can be a huge advantage is just the closing date. The last two sellers that I've helped move off the lake, um, both of them off Lake Cortez, they moved uh, elsewhere here in the village, they just bought a smaller house. They're both in their eighties, just decided we need to downsize. And so I sold them a, a $220,000 house in, instead of their 450. Um, okay. With regard to the closing date, it can be important. In fact, the sellers right now, they almost don't want to, some of them don't want to put their house on the market because it's going to sell in four days. And where am I going to go? So it's important that with the seller holding the majority of the cards, they, I mean, they've got the, the, the control. They can, a lot of times the listing agent can negotiate on behalf of the seller in a, a, a post-closing rental agreement, right? A, a, a rent back, so to speak, beyond the closing date. So it could be a month, two months, three months. And then if they find a house, you can go find them, find them a, a downsized uh, house and coordinate a simultaneous closing date back with the first purchasers. So 
that should give a little bit of uh, relief to the fears that, that some of the, the sellers may have over, well, can I sell my house and without becoming homeless? I heard, and we we're talking about making the best offer. I heard a lady yesterday as I was driving a lot. Uh, she said that a, a buyer had offered to pay, you know, it used to be, you, you drove a hard bargain. You, you typically both parties split their own closing cost, which closing right. cost can be significant. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's kind of standard. Well, uh, she said that the, uh, buy the, the, yeah, the buyer offered to pay the closing cost, the additional transfer fees and the seller's real estate commission. So, and, wow. and the, where I'm going with that is, is that let's say I bid 20,000 over, over the ask. Well, right. let's say I don't bid 20,000 over the ask, but I offered to pay closing cost. I offer to pay the commission I offer to pay any transfer fees that could be more valuable than just plain cash. If you get my drift. So good. You got to figure it up. It's could just be six, one, half a dozen, the other, but yeah. you're right. That, that would be significant for the seller. Well, I'm just, I guess where I'm going with that is that I see a lot of really creative options that way. And yes. this particular realtor I was listening to was saying that uh, she was talking about, it was one of the worst times ever to be a first time home buyer that for millennials, no question. it is horrible, horrible. And you know, one of the things she didn't address, which I'm not picking on millennials, I'm talking about people in general was, you know, uh, she talked to the, the debt to equity or what's the DIB debt to income ratio. Yeah. The debt to income ratio. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, we we're driving new cars. We've got a boat. We, you know, you know, we have, we've got some money on our credit cards that we put on the ski trip that we went, get rid of all that, get rid of all that. When you walk into the bank, you don't want to have a brand new car. You don't want to have a note payment. You don't want to have a boat payment. And you tell me, Rick, where are we at there? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I mean, we used to be, you know, really hanging on, on those first time home buyers and, and, uh, FHA 5%, 3%, you know, debt to incomes of 40%. And, uh, there are still some program, great programs in this area. There's, um, an RD loan, a rural development loan, USDA, that is a zero down loan. And in this area, um, the, the income level is, is pretty reasonable of what somebody could move in here and get a zero down loan. So your house is for sale for zero down. Is that what I said? You said move in here. I'm thinking that's what you mean. Not mine. No, no, sorry. (laughs) I have to take that up with the wife. Um, but the, but yeah, the majority of, uh, retirees just looking at their income, would qualify for that type of thing and they wouldn't have to put as much into their house. But that's, a, that's typically a first time home buyer program that just isn't really needed right now. We don't have a lot of first time home buyers. So it's unfortunate because it's a healthier market when you do. Um, when everybody can move up, um, it's, a, it's a healthier market for everyone than being top heavy. What's the impact of 10 offers, clearly nine lose? Yep. And of those nine, and I'm not asking for any statistical proof because I don't, I don't know how easy it would be to even quantify, but what does your intuition and experience tell you, particularly of people that are coming from out of state, they want to move to the village, but they just can't. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what's happening with these people that would like to be in the village, but they can't because there's, there's no place to come to. Yeah. Yeah, are Are they, are they opting to just to not move, but, but if they've got cash, you would assume that they've sold the home place. So right. It makes, well, it keep, makes me wonder where are they going? Yeah. And keep in mind only about a, a third, just over a third have the cash. So two thirds are, are just hitting their heads against the wall yeah. every time they write an offer. And that's really frustrating. Um, they can be well qualified, 20% down, right. you know, great job. But when you just keep going up against the cash buyers, very frustrating. So sometimes, like Dennis pointed out, you can get creative. You can uh, try to meet, make every accommodation to that seller for their, the closing date that they want and just try to make it the best you can. But until that pent-up demand, those other nine get absorbed into the market, we're not going to have a truly healthy balance. So hopefully, with the interest rates bumping up a little, I say hopefully, you never want the market to slow down, but you just want it to balance out a little bit. What, what kind of spec building, if any, is going on in the village? Well, the builders are busy. Um, the 
the problem, and Dennis can talk a lot more on this than, than I can even, but um, when you get little developments like Siega, you look at how, pop, how popular and how successful that was that, that Pat put together. I mean, that's what we need in the village. And I don't want to go POA and political and everything else, but I would love to see pocket neighborhoods developing you know, throughout the, you know, throughout the village, but just because of how everything was sold, um, the shotgun approach, we, we just don't have those groups of lots. And, um, and even if, even if you did, it's tough. There's only a handful of, of builders that have really kind of specialized in the village. Um, but there's a great opportunity. If there's a, uh, a semi-larger builder from outside the area that's looking for a great opportunity, man, there's money to be made in the village and a, and a product that would really be valued uh, by the consumer here. I have to share with you, I had a group and you know, we, I've been through this before. I've done, I bought and sold over 250 properties in the last 20 years here in the village. And uh, I had a group of firemen and policemen that had an investment club and they flew out from Florida and they uh, met me at the, I met them at the airport at eight 30 and drove them out here. And they got out here and looked around and said, man, this is gorgeous. This is great. Give us 10 lots. Where, what, what, what am I going to do? He's like, no, no, no. We'll just take the next 10 that come up. And I'm like, no, they're, they're, the, all these have been sold. All these, all 34,283 have been sold and they're in individual hands. So to try and put those back together and, and Rick, you, you know, Jeff Atkins and I've talked about this many times, even with Randy, you know, we, we we're delighted when we find a double or, or you know, yeah. two lots together or the rarest of all a triple, man, that's just wonderful to, to, to think you could even come close to finding 10. And right. I mean, it took the POA and their semi-godlike powers to put together the 18 that Brandon built at Siega but yep. it's a show place and they're all to use the term in forestry. They're all even aged. Uh, Jeff and I have what I think are some absolutely beautiful lots on like this, um, excuse me, on the DeSoto golf course. And the last time there was a home built, there was over 30 years ago. Uh -huh. So we put a brand new 2022 home sitting right beside a 1993 home. Uh, you got to be careful mm, doing that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't just that. Well, we haven't, and we're not planning on it right away. If you know what I mean. Right. So right. there's, there's some redevelopment and some, as we would say in forestry, some mixed age, you know, you can't put a whole slew of brand new homes against a whole bunch of older homes, but you can intersperse them gently and kind of work them back into the mix. But as far as builders, you're right. Every builder I know is just slammed to the wall and can do, you know, it, they, they're like, they're just like the sellers. They get to dictate the terms. And, and unfortunately they dictate the terms to the realtor. They dictate the, to the broker, to the buyer, to the, you know, uh, Randy and I were talking about, we, we have not met the gentleman yet, but there's a builder here in the village who, you know, okay, pick one of these four tiles, pick one of these four colors and pick <laughs> one of these four flooring and it'll be done. Well, but I think I want to No, no, it won't be right. done on schedule. Uh, so uh, we do need him on there too. Randy. I like, Randy. But I, I, I like it. I like his business model and his discipline. <laughs> so the building that is going on, I'm just trying to understand. So is the building that is going on, is it predominantly, I own a lot and now I'm, I'm, I'm commissioning a builder to build the house that I want or are, well, are any of these builders building houses on lots custom. that they bought and they're just building for spec? Probably not. There, there are a few, but obviously that's more difficult. It's more costly. Yeah. It's more, more profitable for them to, you know, to not exactly. be doing that. Right. So unless you're building a really large home that makes it worthwhile for them, well, probably not. Yeah. And I'm asking because we get, you know, we get emails here. People, a lot of people want to have, want us to have people on, uh, about how to build a house in here. We've told them said mm -hmm. we're trying, but the builders are so covered up. They don't right. have time to talk to us and they don't really need to talk to us. And I, and I, and I get it. Uh, but then there've been those people that are like, I mean, is there any new construction? I mean, if we want to move to the village and could we buy a new house? And I'm like, I don't know. So that's a reason for my question. Right. And I do know of some larger tracks of Cooper property that are in the early stages of being developed. Renaissance has recently purchased some of that, um, around Pacifica, they're squeezing in some lots and then, back behind, uh, I won't, I won't disclose that, but 
Um, there's another large track that they plan on subdividing into uh, lots. It's going to be a while before it happens, but those are positive things for the village. We, we need that new construction. Yeah. And, and I think uh, to answer your question, Randy, I don't know of anybody building just plain spec houses because when you mentioned Pat Bollier a minute ago, uh, Pat, Pat had a fair statement. She said, as soon as you pour a foundation, people go up and go, is that for sale? Uh-huh. You know, we want to pick the colors. We want to blah, 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 blah. And, and Randy, because it's and a Pat very valid from question. Remax, we need to give context when we exactly Pat, Pat Bullier with Remax and, and, but to go down that road, just a little more specifically. Okay. We've talked about why people buy cash buyers or why they would, you know, sell to cash buyers or, well, let's talk about why typically builders don't just start a spec house and then go, you know, Randy and Rhonda come up and they say, Hey, great. We want to buy here. This is wonderful. And, and, and the, the builder says, I'm not so sure. Well, I want, you know, the, the wife or the husband, whomever may say, well, I want this particular flooring. That flooring is eight weeks out. Are you going to care? Are you going to pay the carrying cost for the next eight weeks while I'm waiting for my guys? My guys are ready to finish this house. I've got this system and this plan lined up and you're here to torpedo this plan, why would I sell you this house? You know, yeah, even at a profit, but I don't want to wait eight more weeks. I got to get my money now too. You know, is that, well, and I know some people, I know some people are emailing us. I mean, I know a number of emails that I've gotten even just in the last month because people who aren't familiar with the village and we're learning increasingly that that's a good chunk of our audience, Who knew? Uh, people who, people who want to come to the village, um, not all of them have even visited the village, but they see all, they see all the undeveloped lots. And to Dennis's point, they, they don't, they don't understand there's individuals that, that own all these. So they see this undeveloped land and they, they do what any of us would do if we didn't have the proper context think, well, there's empty lots. Why? So why can't I get a builder to build it? You know, cause you don't own that lot somebody else does. And. Right. Well, and, and let me address, I, and I will not give the gentleman's location because he was very sensitive about this location uh, and moved to this location, loves it, has bird feeders and deer feeders and, and nuts about the spot. And he's very, very happy that the lot beside him was one of the 2100 that the POA purchased at, from the commissioner of state lands because it was in play. And he's delighted. He's just happy, happy, happy. That's a POA lot. I'm good. Well, you're shaking your head, buddy. Shaking your head. Tell me more. Well, a POA POA lot is just that. It's owned by the POA and they can do it. They're not going to sell any lots, are they, Rick? Yeah, absolutely they are. And all that they can. All (laughs) that they can. Um, They would obviously like to have that $43 a month on that parcel coming in. And so, yeah, just t- with all those parcels tied up. And I mean, I've got a, a list of over 700 that they've, you know, released to the realtors and said, here, we would like to get these sold. And, um, and they've, they've done a pretty good job of, of uh, providing the GIS system that'll show the topography of the, of the property shows which ones are A, B, or C as far as the slope. And, and then which ones have clear title, because not all yet do, um, but many do. And then which ones are served and which ones do not have the utilities available. So, yeah, it, it's, it's a lot. And it's going to be years and years and years before all of that gets worked out and absorbed and probably long after I'm done. But, I mean, it's uh, well, yeah, this it's is a, this is an excellent opportunity, Rick. And I haven't even, yeah. hadn't even thought where this would go. But, Randy, we do need to talk about this. When, 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 when Rick and I and Randy talk to builders, there's one thing, what kind of lot do they want? Let me think. Do they want golf lot? Do they want view lot? Do they want lake lot? Do they want, oh, they want flat lots. They want want nothing but flat lots, nothing. And the reason I brought this gentleman up that I'm talking about, whose name I am still not disclosing an area or not, uh, (laughs) the lot beside him is perfectly flat. His lot is perfectly flat. The lot beside it is perfectly flat. Remember I told you about the police and firemen that came from Florida? guess what? They're from Florida. They expected everything to be perfectly flat. And those of you who are listening and thinking about building or buying in the village, you want to bear in mind, 
we had and uh, Brandon. I mean, this is no big great shakes. I asked Brandon what the what the sin was. Brandon with Renaissance Homes, one of the leading builders in the area, and I asked him. I said, "What's what's the deal with you know what, what, if the lot's three to four feet from end to end? What's the what's the big deal?" And he noted that for every round of concrete block that they had to put down, it's roughly another fifteen hundred dollars. So if if you say, okay, well, I want my house to be built up off the ground roughly four feet. Okay, sure. You don't want water intrusion or, you know, just for aesthetics. Well, that's $6,000. Okay, well, the lot itself changes eight feet over that range. Uh-huh. Okay, now you're into the $12,000 range or whatever, you know. So it gets really expensive really quick building on all these blocks or bringing in fill dirt or building pier and beam or whatever method you want. But I think it, we probably need to address the fact, and I'm, well, this is a nearly impossible thing to, to speculate. Would you say, Rick, that 10 to 20% of the lots in the village are flat? Um, that's probably a pretty good guess and more on the east side than the west side, obviously. I mean, we, we've got a lot hillier terrain on the west side than they do on the east. So, um, yeah, that's, it is a very small percentage overall. Yeah. And, and let's talk about what you're going to be able to present as a seller, as a seller, as a seller's agent, or even for a buyer's agent, the vast majority, the, um, I bet there's not 10% of the houses on this lake. And, and by the way, you're down there. Hey, hey, Rick. Um, the, the vast majority of sellers of, of homes on this lake are two-story. And they're walkout oh, yeah. basement because, you know, when you have a lake, it goes in. I ask, yep. a, I ask a, a gentleman who owns a uh, condominium beside us down here at, at, uh, at Kalanis. I, I said, you know, you, you, you could have bought a, a condo in Dallas somewhere. And, and his comment was, he said, yeah, but when the water goes down six inches, it goes out 20 feet. Mm-hmm. And I, I never, I mean, I it didn't occur to me. Well, I take for granted the fact that every house along this lake is going to have a relatively steep driveway, either coming to or going or just out at the end of the street or something. So address that for our, for our guests who wouldn't know. To say, speak to that if you would. Yeah. And, and lake to lake, it's different here in the village. Um, I would compare DeSoto, Coronado, and Cortez as very similar as far as the terrain, um, age of homes. Um, it, obviously, it started the development started at the at the west end, so DeSoto was first in the 70s. But as it spread through the 80s and finally 90s, and Coronado, I mean, it took a while to get to Balboa. So Balboa has some some flatter terrain, particularly on the on the northeast side of the lake. It's it's far more level. It just depends on really where you are. But um, yeah, you're right. The builders really want that flat. You know, they they like to build on slab when they can. It's quick and easy. The cost is lower. They can meet their price point easier. Um, But there aren't a lot of lots with the slope on the lake as far as lake, you know, anyway. Um, I don't know anybody that owns any of those. Do you? No, I don't know. No, never heard of them. Never heard of them. Don't know any of those. No. No, yeah. No. And you don't either. <laughs> no, I don't either. I don't either. Um, but yeah, I, I think overall, you know, somebody that's looking to build, if they want a, a view, there's a lot of real steep properties with incredible views. You know, you get, I mean, you just up over the lake looking down on us right now. We have some, two Valina ones up there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely beautiful lots, but it's going to cost more to build on them, but they're panoramic views. Uh, and, and I would guess I'm, 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 and I don't know this cause we haven't built on these before, but I'm hearing estimates between 30 and $50,000 in prep cost. I, and, uh, I don't, I would not even hesitate to guess, well, you know, yeah. Right back over my shoulder is Gary Mouton's building a stunning house, which all three of us have had the opportunity to tour. And it Gorgeous. is a, oh my Lord, it, it, it is the gym. I, I can see why they built what they're building there. Yeah. But that said, it's a super steep drive. I've got a steep driveway. It's a steeper driveway. <laughs> and is. that said, the site prep cost, I mean, there, there's just no telling. But he, Gerald Ellison, who's building that home, told me personally that we were sitting at lunch one day. He said, when you build a spec home, people don't go, man, boy, y'all put a lot of money in this ground prep. Yeah. Right. No, they, nobody cares. When you buy a spec home, you assume the lot is flat and it is not. And so that's a built-in cost that the builder has to work in and, and they don't like to do that. Yeah. Long before you start framing, you've got to get that foundation and all that prep work done. 
in the market, Rick, is there a is there a square footage? I, I think of that more so than price of of people because, again, I'm kind of referring to some emailers that that I've had of the show, people who have been interested in homes, but they can't find the size. I mean, forget forget the inventory. I mean, there is an inventory, but then the inventory that is there is just it's just not it's just not what they want. I mean, where's the gap? I realize there's a gap in the market because there's just not any inventory, right? But but, but is the gap is the gap more of a price thing, or is, or is there a gap in I'm looking I'm looking for a three thousand square foot house, and I'm seeing a ton of thirteen hundred and fifteen hundred and eighteen hundred square foot houses. Is there any of that? Yeah, I, I think if there was a niche, I mean, I haven't sat down and actually crunched the numbers, but I think if you had a, a three bedroom, two bath, two thousand square foot house. I don't know that you have to go quite that big even. There's, there's a pretty good demand for um, retirement age folks that would just soon have a single story and 1,800 to 2,000 square feet. And that new construction, $180 a square foot. And that's the one time you're going to get, you're going to hear me say dollar per square foot, Dennis, because <laughs> you know why. $8 per square foot. Um, but with new construction, you can, you know, apples to apples talk about dollar per square yeah. foot. Yeah. And, and you should be able to, you know, for $180 a square foot for that size on a single story. Okay. 2000 square feet for 360. Um, that's getting a little pricey for a lot of people now, but it wasn't, you know, a year and a half ago. So, but yeah, I think there's probably a little gap in the market there between 250 and 350 that just could really use more inventory. And um, not everybody wants to go in and do new flooring and new countertops. Right. And, the, and, we, and we've got a lot of that. Well, it, let's, let's talk, let's talk two things here. Let's talk remodel mm-hmm. and let's talk square foot, square feet per price right. per foot, but, right. but remodel uh, we're, Diane and I have truly been blessed. We love this home we're in. It's uh, mm-hmm. 2,200 square feet. It's on Lake DeSoto. It's two story. We rent out the bottom room. We don't need that much. It's just the two of us, you know, mm-hmm. that said, it doesn't matter how much I remodel this house. I've still got relatively small closets. I've got right. relatively small bathrooms, maybe even a stand-up shower only and not a tub. Uh, I, those, and, and, and by comparison, shorter roof, uh, lower ceilings, you know, I don't have a, a vaulted ceiling that were started in the nineties and whatever. So all of those trends have passed this house by. It's a lovely house. It's just never going to have those, no matter how much wallpaper or you cut or how many times you change the flooring or whatever, that's just not going to change. Right. Um, it could, but it ain't cheap if you get my point. So sure. well, let's go back to the price per square foot again and play that game just for a minute. Why is there such a disparity? Why is price per square foot? I, I'm not, I'm going to pitch you the softest ball there is. All right. Why is there such great disparity in price per foot? on the lake i'm being specific here okay why is there such disparity if my house is worth 185 a foot why is that one across the way not 185 okay you're on the main body of the lake i'm the last house on the cove which one's worth more as a vacant parcel of land Mm. yours is okay so when i build on it the dollar per square foot factoring in the value of the land you're going to have a higher dollar per square foot, regardless. If we both built the same house, yours should still be higher. We're, I mean, the, the, the land is a factor, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the land, the view, the access to the water, um, high bank versus low bank. Sometimes high bank is all right. But again, you were talking about those steep driveways. You go on Arjona Way on Lake Cortez, there's some really steep short driveways. I mean, you're into your garage like this. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've had buyers that we've driven up to the house to look at the house and they said, keep driving, Rick. And I would say, you don't even want to see the house. I'm not driving into that house. How how does that affect the price per foot when they walk, when they drive away? (laughs) Well, you know, yeah, that's exactly right. But you know, it it really doesn't in the end, because I mean, I just sold 90 Arjona for 450, a beautiful house, panoramic view on the big water. And yeah, you're going to lose three out of 10 buyers are not even going to look at the house, but one of those other seven is going to pay full price for it. And and they so, didn't cut, they didn't cut $50,000 off the price because it had a steep, steep driveway. They, they paid for it. They paid for it. Hmm. 
So interesting. But but dollar per square foot goes even deeper than that. If you've got a, a two story, the, the lower level and an appraiser will tell you that the lower level, a basement is not the same dollar per square foot as the ground floor. It's just not. So uh, a a 2000 square foot one story should have a different per square footage than a 2000 square foot two story. It's not going to be wanna, the same. If you really want to get a disparity, and this happens a lot in the village, and that is, is that there's not an inside stairwell connecting the top floor and the bottom floor. Your bottom floor can be virtually free uh, or very, very, very inexpensive. And in your minds, I'm like, well, this is a, a 2,800 square foot home. And the assessor or the appraiser comes in and goes, no, that's a detached grandmother quarter downstairs. That's a mother-in-law quarter. And you can't get to it from the inside. So it's not 185, it's 65. Right, right. We've had... Um some hesitation, one across the lake from me right here. Another one, I just sold 107 Alba, real nice house mm, yeah. sold for, for 480, but there were two technical bedrooms upstairs. It was a two bedroom house. Downstairs, there was an additional, did qualify as a technical third bedroom with a closet that's kind of the furnace room, you know? Yeah, oh, um, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a three bedroom, two and a half bath house, but most people walking in, it's two on the main level, you know, and there are some appraisers that mm, don't like that too well. We didn't have any problem with it, got it sold for cash, you know, but those are the little things and dollar per square foot plays into all of these factors. I mean, I've seen agents, no names to be mentioned, that, that water everything down. They said, well, what is this? A three bedroom, two bath, 2000 square foot house uh, um, in this area. They'll put in the area when they're looking for comparables. Okay, I'm going to do 1,800 to 2,200 square feet in that area in the last six months. Oh, okay, well, here it is. And, and they'll just average it out. Well, you've washed down an awful lot of factors that you didn't pay attention to. You didn't even screen out two-story versus one-story. That's the biggest factor alone. So when I do comparables, I mean, I, I spend hours combing over, bringing it down to where I've got three, four, five really good comparables. And at that point, you've got a good advice for your seller, but it doesn't do them any service at all if you water it down by dollar per square foot. So how would we get in touch with you, Rick, if we wanted to sell our home? <laughs> what, what, what exactly, what number would we dial? Would we dial a 501? Because that's the Arkansas code and then that 601 is. and then Rick. That would 601 be it. Rick. How about that? 501-601-RICK. Rick is 7425. So, Seven, four, yeah. two, five. Okay. I got two yeah, stupid will. questions, Rick. Shoot. One is days on market. So it goes on the market on a Friday. There's, there's offers and stuff. And so now on Monday we're, we're looking at it. Right. Okay. Well, what would happen if I didn't make a decision on Monday, if I'm a seller and I don't make a decision and I'm like, I mean, at what, at what point do I'm like, okay, we got 10. Okay. Right. Well, what if we get 20? I mean, there's some point that it stops yeah. paying off to you. Well, typically, uh, the buyer's agent is going to put in a, a, an expiration on the offer. So, and when it's my buyer, I'm, if I'm showing it on a Friday evening when it just hit the market, I'm going to try to put in Saturday at noon. Now, they're not going to honor yeah. that. They're going to drag their feet until Monday night, you know, but, but I'm going to try for, on yeah. behalf of my buyer. Uh, but when they review those offers, if they drag their feet too long, at some point, there's maybe another listing that comes on the market that is a little nicer than yours for the same price. You could have, end up with that bird in the hand that flies away. I mean, because the offer has expired and yeah, you're drawing it out. And they're trying to go for the two in the bush and they really might have been better off deciding. Because but it makes me wonder if I, if I know I'm one of 20 houses in the market, I'm a I'm going to take my chances, right? I mean, yeah. come on, you got a market like this, which leads yeah. me to the second dumb question. Are there, are you seeing people leave the village because they're taking advantage of this moment in time? I'm seeing some of the, some of that downsizing. I've, I've, I've had, again, um, two people right. from Lake Cortez in their eighties downsized to 1700 square feet for the 220 price range from their 450. Great. 
you know, they're, now they're living large. Yeah, what a great mortgage. opportunity in your 80s, right? We should yeah. all be so lucky, man. Right. And if the bubble does pop, if there's, you know, I, and I don't think the village would get hurt nearly like what some of these huge markets are, but let's say there was a 10% pop. Well, and now in the house that he just bought for 220, he's got 22 that it dropped instead of 45 on the 450, right? So, right. you know, kind of hedging against a, a bubble, getting out while the getting's good. And yeah, I don't see people fleeing from the village. Yeah, I, well, I have, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not envisioning some big exodus, but given no. how hot the village is compared to all the years past. But where are they going to go? Are they going to go to well, Dallas? I, you know, if 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 well, if people if people are older, if people are older and want to move back closer to their kids and that kind of right. stuff is really what I, what yeah. I was envisioning. But yeah, well, no, you know I that agree. that moving back to their kids, Randy, that's happened uh, probably twenty seventeen to twenty twenty. We saw a lot of that, and uh, Rick, I don't think you were here at that time, but man, I mean, I it was oh, it was. Well, you're going to see that as people get older, you're bound to see that. Well, Well, we're we're seeing a lot of family uh, relocation. I mean, my brother and sister-in-law just came down from Seattle, um, sold their $615,000, 2,000 square foot house. I was going to say 1,800 square foot. Yeah. Yeah. And I sold them just outside the village, you know, 4,100 square feet on three acres for 380. Wow. You know, and now they have a, a house paid off and they're 38 years old. Really? And, and live bad. like kings. Yeah. 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 Not bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, in my house, my mother-in-law lives with us. She's got one wing of the house. I, my wife and I've got the other. And so there are family dynamics that go on in this day and age where, you know, folks are living longer and they need a little more assistance and, there's a lot of these homes that really can accommodate a second living space. Yeah. Uh, you know, here on the lake, like you mentioned, uh, there's a lot of basements. Some of them have a, a, a fully set up kitchen and separate living. It's sometimes a separate entrance, um, whether you Airbnb those or whether you have, a, you know, a, an in-law living with you. Uh, it really helps. It's a good opportunity. You know, I, I'm, I'm looking through the pieces here in my mind and just trying to formulate. And, well, Rick, it, uh, we, we, we may have overstayed our welcome, but it's been too long. We haven't had a visit with you in quite a while. Uh, actually, and what other listeners and viewers may need to know, we recorded an episode with you early on, and it was yeah. just horrible. I don't think- I don't think, it, well, it, I the don't know. The content wasn't that. horrible, but our, we had technical issues. <laughs> yeah. That's well, what I, I mean, the technical it, horrible yeah. issues. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dennis, acts like you just. I didn't you get suck, to finish my sentence. I didn't you get sucked so sentence. bad, Rick, the first time we couldn't <laughs> even so broadcast. Well, I, I, think, I think I was using this, number yes. one. So that yeah. was probably the first problem. And yeah, yeah. It, was, it was cutting out pretty bad. So, yeah. and that was, I don't think you had a hundred subscribers when we did that first no, it was no, it was no, it was early on and, no. and, it, and then when gary and i were on you had just surpassed a thousand now con- congrats on three thousand right no, uh, i don't know we're 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 trying to get there we're well i don't know we're 2500 2400 right. something so all right so it's okay it's okay well, what, I, I, what didn't we ask you that we should have asked you yeah oh goodness um, lightning round lightning round yeah lightning round um okay i don't know just just um, pull up some YouTube videos for anybody that's interested in Hot Springs Village and you want to see what's here, you know, Google virtual tour Hot Springs Village and take a look um, or give me a call. I'll be happy to, you know, put my I, like I tell people, I'm not a salesperson when it comes to working with buyers. I show houses when they want to buy one. I help them get it. But where I am a salesperson, I'll put the salesperson hat on when it comes to the village because this place is amazing, and I, I I could talk about it all day long with you know all that we have to offer here. Yeah, and I, I did want to make one other note that you know uh, we were talking about the value of the homes and the values of the prices and whatever, and I've completely lost my train of thought again too. So that would be completely <laughs> mine. I I, I let I into when you it started, so you weren't going to be able to finish. <laughs> No, I'm not going to land this plane today, Randy. I'm pretty sure. Is it not going to come back to you? We'll do the lightning. <laughs> Maybe it will. We'll do the lightning round. We'll do the lightning round while you. Oh, oh, oh. Right. While you think about it. Okay, Rick, this is easy, quick, and painless. Hiking, okay. hunting, or fishing? Oh, hunting. 
Mm-hmm. Hamburger, tacos, or pizza? Ooh, depending on the pizza. Pizza. Beaches or woods? Ooh, depends on the time of year. Texting or talking? Uh, depends on who it is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. Uh, favorite day of the week? Uh, Sunday. Favorite city in the U.S. besides the one you live in? Mm. Uh, Continental. Oh, I don't Continental. Know. Rico, yeah. Um, I, I, Saint jo- the most beautiful place I've been in, and I've traveled quite a bit. Saint John, Virgin Islands. I mean, that's not the U.S., but just off Saint Thomas, and All right. yeah. Tell us more. Know. Tell us more. I got to. Oh. Well, we lived in Puerto Rico for seven years, and. And I could say great things about Puerto Rico, but it still just doesn't. I mean, I've cruised most of the Caribbean and St. Thomas, St. John, Virgin Gorda. Oh, my gosh. The color of the water. I mean, just, oh, just amazing. So if I had to pick a place, that would be it. Do you have a nickname? None that I'd share with you. Which makes me want to probe even more. <laughs> hey, put put your wife on the line. Put your, no, put no. your wife over yeah. here. Yeah. No. Okay, you've got an hour to do nothing. What are you going to do? Ooh. I would like to say something health-wise, but it probably wouldn't be. I'd, I'd probably be on the laptop pulling up information. I just... I'm a little bit of a geek when it comes to that. I, I, I value the information. I like to pull it in. And so I'd be researching something probably. Favorite holiday. Mm, still gotta be Christmas. First job. Huh? Uh, courtesy clerk for three ninety six an hour. It's a box boy, but they, oh. uh, they could, they could courtesy clerk. I, I guess know. they could pay you less when it was a courtesy clerk, you know, so <laughs> yeah. they, they cut your wage so you could make it back in tips. Yeah. yeah. Right. Do you play a musical instrument? I do not. What's your favorite meal? Ooh, chicken fettuccine Alfredo. Wow. Okay. I like that one. All right. Yeah. Funniest movie. Ooh. I couldn't come up with one off the top of my head. Favorite sports team? Seattle Seahawks. You going to lose your quarterback? No. They won't do that. Randy didn't think he was going to lose his head coach either, but (laughs) hey, OU Sooners. I'm glad. I'm glad we lost him. USC can have him. Boomer Sooner. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dogs or cats? I'll never hear the end of it, but cats, really? they're smart enough to bury their poop. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I, who can argue? I don't like them. They're just smart enough to bury their yeah. poop. Who can argue yeah. with that? I mean, what I, potential? I'm a, I'm, a no, I'm a no pets person. I mean, oh. there, nothing, nothing wrong with pets. I'll, I'll, you know, take care of yours for a weekend, but I don't want to have to change my plans for an animal <laughs> speaking Sorry. of that we're going to be gone for to spain for a couple of weeks and yeah. Drop yeah. Drop Someone else. For... yeah that's not happening cake or pie Ooh, uh pie for sure how many hours of sleep do you get six what's your favorite article of clothing mm. uh pajama bottoms just casual there you go. Favorite quote. You got one? Um, yeah. Um, from Ronald Reagan. And it says, um, some people spend their whole lives. Some people spend their whole lives wondering if they made a difference. Marines don't have to wonder. I like that. My son is a U.S. Marine. So like that was that something that I, I got yeah. that poster for him when he was a, a teenager and he ended up becoming a Marine and he's serving in, in intelligence and Camp Lejeune right now. So, Oh, well, there you go. Very well, proud good. of him. Yeah. Well, good for him. Did yeah. it come back to you, Dennis? Cause I'm done. Ooh, 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 Mr. Carter, Mr. Carter, Mr. Carter. 
Okay. We, we've had this discussion, by the way, in case our listeners or viewers think that we agree with everybody we talk to, you know, uh, when you're talking about like with uh, regard a, to what the pets, well, or what? no, I'm, I'm just saying, I, you'll see in just a minute, you'll okay. see, uh, the, the, when you have a home that granny bought on the lake for two ten, uh-huh. fifteen 15 years ago, and you look at the market and you go, man, this house could be four fifty to four eighty. Right. In my opinion, in my opinion, $300 to pay an appraiser to come up with a price to sell your home. It's not a bad idea. Unless he gets your appraiser. Unless... <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're done. We're done. I just... <laughs> depends no. on the appraiser. It, does, yeah. it, 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 it depends on the appraiser. You mean the last appraiser that yeah. I would have shot? Yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> that couldn't tell what something was on the lake or not. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave that be. Uh, yeah. No, but what I do want to say, and I'll be very frank, I'll, I'll find my own compromise. Rick, if most realtors did a market analysis the way you do a market analysis, then I would be comfortable with it. But I see a lot of realtors that, and let's be frank about it. The majority of the realtors in the village are part-time. They don't yeah. do this full-time. This is not their full-time gig. Right. And, and they pull a number out of their, yeah, that's true in every market. I think. Well, that's true like too. It. Yeah. 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 But yeah. you, you pull, they pull a number out of their butt. That's plus or minus 15,000. I don't know about you, but 15,000 ends up being money to me, you know, right. I, you know, and that's why I'm saying, it's, it's not a bad idea to spend $300 to get an appraisal. And, and you say, well, we're going to have to throw that appraisal away as soon as the bank comes in and does theirs. Yeah, but it ought to be real close. It ought to be real close. And, and I'll be frank about it. I'll, I'll even criticize my own thought. My thought is, is that if you have an appraiser, and I think you said this to me when we, one of the first times we met, an appraisal is a backwards view. Right. of what happened. It's not a right. forward view. And I'll give you that. That's a fair, that's a fair thing, but not everybody does an appraisal, does a market analysis and finds a price the way that you do. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I've always said that an appraiser is like driving a car, only using the rearview mirror. They have to do that. They can't be forward thinking. They're not, they're not allowed to do that, but I, I appreciate what you say and a good appraiser. I would agree with that. But an appraiser also a lot of times is into adjusting per square foot. Um, for example, if, if I take you to a beautiful lake home and it's got a killer view and it's 2,700 square feet and I take you to the next house and it doesn't have quite as nice of a view and it's uh, 2,800 square feet, that extra 100 square feet is at $180 a square foot, is that $18,000? Is that one with the not quite as good view? Is it really worth $18,000 more? An appraiser is going to make adjustments like that a lot of times that I wouldn't, right? If, I'm t- if, you're, if you're a buyer and you go through those two homes, they're comparable homes. You know, tw- it doesn't matter whether it's twenty seven or 2,800 square feet in your mind for value. You're going to go with the house that you like the best. So yeah. I think sometimes they're prone to making adjustments that a buyer wouldn't necessarily make. Um, they're looking at broad market and they're coming up with formulas and I can appreciate that. Um, and some of them are real. If it's a garage versus a carport and they can say, look, I can show you every single time that a, a two car garage is worth 10,000 more than a two car carport. Okay, that's fine. But you know, tweaking a hundred square feet 5% of a square footage of a house. And no, I don't think it makes much difference, you know, between that. And so I would, I would value an opinion of a top realtor um, that knows the market and works with buyers in that marketplace. I would value their opinion as highly, if not more highly than an appraiser. But in a market like this, what difference does it make? Really? The market's yeah. going to bear what the market's going to bear, no matter what an appraiser says, right? Yeah, but the biggest mistake that I see, you almost, you got to be careful with this. You don't want to grossly under, under, underprice something when you list it, but you almost can't underprice it. I mean, the, the, the market's going to rise to where the buyers are going to take it as long as you're pretty close. Mm. Um, the problem, and you have enough market exposure. If you like list something 50,000 under market value and you take the first offer to come in or the first two offers, right. you didn't give it ample market time. The other mistake, the biggest mistake though, by far is people that get just a little on the greedy side and they overprice it and the market does not respond. And when it doesn't, 
they do a price reduction. And at that point, if you're a buyer and it's just recently had a price reduction, are you offering full price? Nope. And so you get that free fall effect and you've really shot yourself in the foot. Not the way to do it. Well, Rick, just, and just to fill in, and I know we need to wrap up here, but we, Randy, uh, Rick and I spoke this morning about a property or we text this morning about a property uh, over on Cortez, nice enough property. And it, it just didn't click, you know, and, and Rand, I've shared with you before Randy and, and uh, uh, Rick, what, what our, our uh, buying button is, and it, it has a wow. I'm not going to go into it, but it has a wow. It has to have a certain wow. And your, your phrase, your comment about this house was it was really broken up. Yep. It had a, a really strange floor plan. Uh, the, the seawall and the dock needed some more work. Uh, and it, it really didn't have a great view and it was on shallow water. Mm-hmm. Out of those five, three to five of those, the appraiser is not even going to compromise for. He's not right. going to say, oh, well, it's not that great of you. Or, well, so it's shallow water. It's on the lake, you know? Right. So I, I get your point. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm supporting your point. You're supporting my point. And, and anyway, you get my drift of where we're going with that. But right. uh, Randy, have I left anything out or have we rambled long enough? I think we've rambled long enough. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> Appreciate it. Sure. Absolutely. It's been a good time. Thanks, Rick. For Hot Springs Village Inside Out, we're out. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by visiting our website, hsvinsideout.com, and tell a friend.